The Grazadillo School of Business and Management at Pepperdine University proudly presents the Dean's Executive Leadership Series. This podcast invites top business practitioners and thought leaders to share their view on the real world of business. Well, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your story and, and kind of your philosophy and all. We appreciate that so much. As you were talking, one of the things I was thinking about, you know, we talk so much about kind of the pressure of being in a public company and kind of the quarterly reports and all that. And I was thinking about your life. I mean, you sort of have public review of your performance every time the team gets out there and plays. And so, I mean, the stress from that and the pressure when, you, when what you do is so public and people care so much on a daily basis about how well you're doing, how do you manage that from a leadership perspective, both personally and then kind of through the organization? I think the people here uh, have been through it for so long that uh, it's, it's expected. Um, it's very interesting that the newspaper writers uh, get to write whatever they want, right. say whatever they mm -hmm. want, and they're not accountable to it. And uh, I learned from... Um, Someone in the newspaper business who was in the newspaper business, which was a Gannett company, says, never fight your battles in the paper. You know, mm -hmm. There's no reason to comment on those things. Um, they're going to say what they want to say. Um, it doesn't really stress us out. You know, to, you know, Mike Sosha always says, uh, turn the page. Tomorrow's another game. And um, we lost tonight, but hey, I can look forward to tomorrow. You know, uh, I won't read the paper tomorrow, but uh, I'll, I'll watch the game again tomorrow <laughs> sure. night. You know, we have little, little superstitions that we do. Well, you were talking about the paper, and that's sort of an interesting aspect of it as well, because that used to be the only way you, radio, newspaper, television, how you heard about what was going on in professional sports, and now there's all the social media, and anybody that wants to can write about you or say what they want, and then in addition to that, that's another marketing tool and another public relations tool, so how are you all adapting to that sort of whole world of social media in a, you know, in a very traditional sport that has lots of history and tradition to it? The, the, like we were talking before, it, it, everything is changing so fast, it's really hard to keep up with it. Mm -hmm. uh, every year we hire about four, four to ten interns, mm -hmm. young people that have gotten out of college that understand that media more than I, and, or John, or Artie, and, and we rely heavily on them to help us uh, reach that people. Every year, at the end of the year, I take all the interns out to, to uh, lunch and ask them, you know, what, did you learn anything? And one, the, the whole thing is, you know, well, we didn't know we were going to have to work this hard, you know, and uh, <laughs> I go, well, that's the way it goes, you know. Um, uh, we, do, we, we don't believe in, you know, bringing people in just to We want to tap their brain about what's going on out there, and they'll even tell us, it's moving faster than, than they can keep up with. Um, I think some of what's happening out there is uh, Twitter and Facebook, uh, the only thing it bothers me, we're losing some of our uh, communication skills right. of being able to communicate. The kids, when I say, well, how do you get your information? They get it all off the internet. They don't read the paper anymore, you know? And uh, I think it's, it's, that's the way it's going, and we have to adapt to that. Even with Major League Baseball, which we call uh, BAM, which is Major League Baseball Advanced Media, they've, they've really taken mm -hmm. that over. Sure. If you go on there, I mean, they've got, you can watch the game on there, they show you every pitch, tell you what a slider, they show you this and show you that. That's, that's not for me, but it's the way it's going to go right. because the younger generation wants information, and they want it immediately, and they want, to know about that information. Um, it's changing fast, and it, it, you try to adapt, but as soon as you do, boom, Something changes. Something new comes along. That's it. Fabulous. Well, let's see what questions we have from the audience. Right here, we'll start there. I, I just wanted to uh, 
uh, say right off the bat that I just want to commend you for what you've done here at the Angels. I have for many years been a Dodger fan, a diehard Dodger fan, and over the last couple years I have come to just really love and appreciate the Angels and this particular stadium. I've, I've come here with a friend who just loved the Angels and I, I fell in love with it because of what you've done. It's very family friendly. It's very warm and inviting. I love coming here. I've, you've just done amazing things. I just want to commend you for that. Well, thank you. Um, so I was wondering, what is your greatest challenge? What, what, uh, what do you, what it, you it's to, it to continue that fan experience. Um, my challenge right now, and this is on the business side, is this stadium is the fourth oldest stadium in the league. And uh, it looks nice. But uh, there's a lot of infrastructure that I spend a lot of time working on and down there with the duct tape and holding it up and tax and everything <laughs> else like that. Um, one of the, you know, uh, the, the fan experience um, is, is just the key focus. I think we talk about that more at our staff meetings than anything else. Um, what can we do to make it better? Uh, what little things can we do to make it better? Try to teach our people. And I mean, I've had some great experiences. Um, some really interesting experiences um, that, that, that will challenge you. We had one uh, woman come here one day, uh, and just before the game was starting, uh, she had got, brought in the ashes from her husband who had passed away, and she was going to throw them onto the field. <laughs> the wind kicked up, uh, and as she threw it, ashes came back on everyone that was sitting next to her. And uh, my operations manager, Sam, came to me and said, um, we got a problem. <laughs> and I said, what is that? And I said, do you guys sit around and make this stuff up, Sam, you know? <laughs> and um, so what we did is we took everybody down to the store, bought them all new you know, T-shirts or shirts or polo shirts, whatever we could do, took them, if they wanted to, we took them to a place where they could shower and change or whatever, and, and uh, you know, whatever we could do. It was an opportunity, and, and everybody walked away, felt like, they didn't like it that much, but we, we tried the best we could do. Um, I tell people, look at opportunities to serve. Look at opportunities to do something that is better. We started A-plus service. We give out badges to the guys that do something special. Um, one day I was coming, I parked out in front here, and it's, there was a van there, and this woman was coming out with a wheelchair, and I said, can I help you? And she goes, um, no, I know how to do this. And uh, uh, her friend, an older woman, got out, and she had a prosthetic leg and they had the, so they're wheeling I said let me wheel you up there they didn't know who I was you know and I'm, I'm wheeling them I said where are you sitting and they said we're in the view level which is way out there. ah not tonight let me see if I can get you some closer tickets so I went in there I got them two tickets in the diamond club you know so I moved them up in the diamond club and I said I'll see you a little bit later you know and they're they're like this you know <laughs> who are you <laughs> and to me that was just a great opportunity so Bert my usher was there and they went who is that guy you know <laughs> And so then uh, I came back about the, the sixth inning. They were getting out. Where are you going? She, well, so-and-so's got to go to the raise room. I'll take you, you know. And I wheel him down there. And, and her friend goes in with her. I wait for him and wheel him back. Bird, anything they need, you know. And it was an opportunity. Well, one of my uh, uh, parking lot guys saw that, so he nominated me for an A-plus <laughs> service. <laughs> so, I, and, it, and that's the fun part. When you can look at different places and different things you can do, and, and, we, and we try 20 things, one works, but that's okay, one worked, you know? I gave away, I put a free popcorn in the Diamond Club, great. Now I got popcorn all over the floor, you know? 
so I went to peanuts. I thought I'd solve that one. Nope, that didn't help either, you know. So um, <laughs> Peanut shells everywhere. Oh, yeah, it. and I, I they've got a bowl there. Can you put them in the bowl? No. So, you know, you keep trying things, and I, and I appreciate that. It, you know, it's working. It's working. Well, and the other thing, I think those stories are examples of how you set the tone by your behavior and your actions for everyone else in the organization as well. And that may not be why you're doing it, but it certainly does that. It helps define the culture for everyone else. You have yeah. to. You have to. Like I said, uh, Tom Peters was read all his books on managing by walking around. And that's the way you see things yeah. and, and what's going on. Checking concession lines. Why is this line longer than this one? What are we selling there? And why is this? And, and everything else like that. And you question everything. Yeah. So. Let's go. We've got a couple of questions here. We'll start here and then go back there. And then we've got one back here. Yeah, it's coming up. I'm curious uh, what impact, if any, on your business, uh, the addition of professional sports teams uh, that are coming to our area. Anaheim is probably going to get a pro basketball team soon. Uh, the LA market's going to probably get two NFL teams soon. So does that have any impact on your business? It will. I'm sure it will. Um, you have to understand, people have only so much discretionary income. And um, that's why the FanX experience is so important. Um, we have to make it, you want to come here. Um, when I speak, people say to me, what do you do about your competition, the Dodgers? I go, the Dodgers are not my competition. My competition is I got to talk a family of four that you don't want to go to the beach on Sunday afternoon at 80 degrees where it's free and you can lay on the beach and have fun. No, you want to come to a game. So the competition out there is motocross, surfing. Uh, there's so many competition out there. It's just going to be one more that we're just going to have to do a better job. And it's not just us, it's Major League Baseball is going to have to do a better job. Um, more, less and less um, kids are playing baseball than ever before, and that's why we have the uh, RBI program. That's why we started Baseball Compton Baseball Academy. Um, we've got to build, out the, build up from the kids playing baseball, and that's where our fans are going to come from. It'll be, it'll, well, it'll be interesting. It hasn't happened yet, but we're going to have to fight a little bit. That's okay. We're ready for it. All right. Right behind you, I think. Can you go into some detail with the revenue sources of how it's split with Major League Baseball? So let's say ticket sales and concessions in a general sense, and if you can't go specifics of how that's kind of split and works out for the team. How, um, what happens with baseball uh, is um, all of 34%, I think it's 31 to 34%, it changes between there a little bit, of all our local revenue, which is concessions, ticket sales, uh, broadcast and all that uh, goes to Major League Baseball, to the fund, a Major League Baseball fund. At the end of the year, uh, we have revenue sharing. And the teams, like Pittsburgh, small market teams, I never thought of Pittsburgh being small, but it is, Kansas City, the Marlins, who do not make, get the numbers that they're supposed to do, that money is then given to them. The Marlins, uh, I think it was two years ago when I read the report, they got $41 million worth of revenue sharing. Uh, and that was their profit for the year. Um, you know, the rich take care of the poor. That sounds familiar, but uh, <laughs> uh, that's the system. And, and we, we've, been, we've been a payer. When, it was owned, when we were owned by, or the Angels were owned by Disney, they were a receiver. They received money from the, the central fund. And it was interesting, because Artie used to go to Bud Sealing and say, do you know you're paying Disney money? You know, and uh, it, it was really odd. Um, so we have to, you know, all our ticket revenue, we got to pay X amount. So it sort of deflates your um, entrepreneurialship to do better. 
because the more you make, the more that you have to give back to the central fund. Um, but we can complain, but if you want to see two teams complain, that's Boston and New York, because they pay a, a ton lot. to the central fund. They really do. The object is to make sure that the teams like the Marlins and the Royals, Pittsburgh, take that money and invest in their players so that they can be competitive. And eventually, they would come off the, uh, the list mm -hmm. of people they get. I think it's 11 teams play, uh, pay and uh, then uh, four, um, 16 or 17, whatever the, the number is there, um, they, um, 19 teams get money, so. Well, it, it, it helps bring more equity to the league and allow some of those teams to survive for a while until they can become more successful or you'd probably have a much smaller league now. There are arguments for and against that, but. There are, it's, it's um, and I have no problem with it if they take that money, invest and use it, in the, and use it properly and invest in their players. Yeah. I think NBA has a different rule there where you receive money uh, for like three years, and if you don't improve, mm. so there's you get, a limit. To there's how long. A, it starts yeah. cutting back. But you, you know, again, um, you know, and then there's there's ways around it too. Like if you build a new stadium, you can deduct some of those costs. Which that's why the Yankees, I think, built a new stadium. Mm. But uh, they, uh, they, uh, um, the Marlins did too. Yeah. But the Marlins were receivers. They they received a lot of money. Interesting. A lot of money. Yes. We've got a microphone here, and then I'm going to go back here to this woman on the next to the last row back hi, here. So hi, we'll this question here is about branding in the, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. How did, how did that come about, and how is it working? And uh, it wasn't at all controversial. At the no, time. No, 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 no. It only cost us $7 million <laughs> to get something we uh, own. Um, the truth of it is, before Artie even bought the team, he checked, it, checked to make sure that he was allowed to... to um, use the word Los Angeles in the uh, name. Um, we discussed it for many, many times about the fact that we needed to act like a big league team, to be in a big league team. Um, when we're out selling sponsorships in New York and trying to attract the big advertisers like Chevrolet or uh, some of the other ones, uh, AT&Ts, uh, and we were going to media buyers and, and we were all in the media, all of the three of us, John and I, and already were in the media business, and we'd go in and they'd say, well, we already have LA. Um, why would we buy Anaheim? I mean, that's not even on the top 50 list. Um, you know, it's New York, Los Angeles, um, Chicago, Philadelphia, and it goes right down the list there. And when media buyers are making their media purchase or their promotional dollars, they go by that list. And we weren't on that list. And they said, we already have. And we would say, you're missing a huge part of the Los Angeles market. And this is part of it. As much as some people don't agree with us, it is part of the Los Angeles market. It's part of the DMA. And they were missing a huge um, part of the market with uh, a lot of potential income, um, a lot of disposable income. Um, the of Anaheim is, it had to have Anaheim in the name. Uh, but you don't see us put LA on shirts. You don't see us put it on hats or anything else like that. We're promoting angels, we're promoting red, and we're promoting the A. That's more of a thing, you know, Artie and I would go to, and it's nothing against the city of Anaheim, but when I go to Yankee Stadium and I see um, New York Yankees versus the Los Angeles Angels, it just has a better ring to me as far as two big markets fighting it out and trying to build a little bit of a, uh, a rivalry there. I think there wasn't much last week when I was there, but, it, uh, <laughs> uh, but it's fun when you beat the Yankees. And uh, it, it's worked. I mean, our TV contract, uh, our TV stations in Los Angeles, our radio station was, but we 
we a couple years ago bought our own radio station because we wanted to control the content. We want to control who's broadcasting our games, and we wanted to control is how we were going to broadcast those games and how we were going to market this team. Uh, we looked at a regional sports network, um, but it didn't pencil out. And Fox was very generous uh, to Artie and, and the Angels um, uh, in a new contract. And we think a lot of it had to do with, uh, and we know a lot of it had to do with, with just being a Los Angeles team. All right, back here next to you. I can't see you, so I have to stand up. Um, what struck me when you were giving your talk was how much humility you brought into um, the leadership aspect of it and how much you gave credit to Arnie. Um, from a leadership standpoint, what is the one trait that you feel really inspires loyalty in people like you and the Angels organization as a whole? Um, I think it, when I was talking up there, one of the things when we talked about loyalty uh, with, with Artie was always the fact that he was very loyal to uh, the employees and uh, was always took care of us, always took care of us. I, I remember when, when he sold his company, he made sure that every one of us that had contributed to the success of his, because he owned the billboard company, everyone that contributed to that was given stock and, and we, we did very well on that. Um, he always rewarded us for the job we did. Um, to this day, he still rewards us, um, and, he, and he believes in that. Um, he very seldom tells you you do a good job, but he has a way of doing it that uh, you really feel good about it. I always say I'd rather get yelled at for something I, something I did than something I didn't do. Um, and he gives you that flexibility. He lets you manage, um, and uh, there's a trust thing. You know, I mean, any time you're in the business world, you're going to get what I call chewed out, but it's the way that uh, you get chewed out or the way that you get talked to. And Artie talks to you man to man. Um, I was telling somebody tonight, I, I worked for a guy that was a screamer. Just, he just screamed 24 hours a day and it just, there was no motivation there. It was, you ignored him. But if you got a problem, you go to Artie, you communicate it to him and he may be upset about it and he'll say, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that you did that. But he'll, he'll uh, you know, and you walk away, you feel good. And, it, and it, it takes a special kind of leader or a special kind of person to, to have that quality. And it's hard to define it. It really is hard to define that quality. And, you know, you read so many books on leadership and, and it's really, it's down to that person, you know, that you've known for a long time. Interesting. Right here in the front. And then we'll go back to David. Thanks. Uh, <clears> that has been a long time season ticket holder. Yeah, Greeth enjoyed, enjoyed the fan experience with my kids and done the, the seventh inning stretch and all the, the fun and, uh, and good times and everything. But uh, I always had a question. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but what's with the, the Buttercup song <laughs> at the end of Take Me Out to the Ball Game after the seventh inning stretch? Well, let me tell you, uh, Artie and Carol Moreno um, had a dog uh, many years ago, and this was Buttercup. And, and the dog passed away. And, and, and and I'm making this up as I go along. <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing it really, really well. <laughs> you're just reeling us all in. Oh, the poor puppy. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> uh, that, that was, you know, that's so funny. John Carpino picked that song. And for some, I have no idea. 
But we get that question a lot. I, I'm walking around, why are we playing that song? Here, let me give you John Carpino's cell number. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's it, a tradition, it kind of, and everybody wants to do it. It, 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 yeah, it was so funny. Somebody uh, wrote a letter the other day. We get some great letters. They are just classics. And that's the most depressing song. Have you ever listened to the lyrics and everything else like that? You know, and uh, John, please review. And <laughs> um, it, it, we, ha we have, um, I got to tell you, we have some fun here. You know, you talk about songs and everything. And, and last year we had you 2 here and we had some concerts during the thing. And the funny part was, and you talk about the younger generation, they came in to me and they said, um, and some of the interns came in with John, they says, uh, we want to run something by you, Dennis. And I said, what is this? They said, have you ever heard of Ludacris? No. Have you ever heard of uh, Neo? No. Have you heard of Dirks Bentley? No. Uh, uh, Mercy Me? I said, no. He said, book him. Book him right now. <laughs> you know, John is one of the, uh, you know, he is one of the greatest sales guys I have ever met in my life. I learned, I've learned from, from him. We worked together so well in, uh, in uh, L.A. when we had the, the billboards and, and the tall walls and, and the shelters, and we had so much stuff to sell. It was, it was fun. The more we had to sell, the more fun we had selling. And, uh, and the same down here. When we came down here, we, we told her, we need more signage out in the stadiums. You know, I said, you don't leave a space empty. We'll sell it. We'll figure out how to sell it. We'll add this. We'll add that, you know. Uh, when you have a $150 million payroll, you got to sell everything you got. And, you know, if it's standing still, we're going to put something on it, you know. David had his hand up right back here, about halfway back. We'll probably take just a couple more questions here. First of all, I want to thank you for a very entertaining evening. Uh, you <laughs> mentioned the uh, culture of the organization and building that from the ground up. I was curious to know to what extent that impacts the player personnel decisions that you decide to make in terms of trades and acquiring players through free agency, trying to reinforce that culture, or is it more a focus on winning? Um, there's a combination there. Um, one of the things that the, the way that we're structured here is uh, there's the business side and there's the baseball side. And Artie's known John and I for a lot of years, and he will not let us touch the baseball side. Um, but um, we've, since I've been involved with the community a lot more, and John's been helping me everything, I have been focusing on getting these players to understand the community. Um, we were very fortunate in having Albert and CJ uh, join us. Both of them have huge foundations and are very dedicated to their foundations. Both of those guys are very Christian guys. They don't drink. They don't, uh, you know, they're just really um, down-to-earth people. Albert's um, is autism. His wife from a previous marriage has a daughter that has autism. They have a, I was so impressed with them because they, uh, Albert's got a, a July 26th is an open day for us. The guys have off. Not for him. It's when his golf tournament is. So he's taking his day off and running his golf tournament. Same day, CJ's got a bowling tournament down at Anaheim 300 Bowl on his day off, and he's gonna get some of the players and to join him. And what I'm trying to do is get some of the younger players. Our players came up, they've been in high school and they're drafted and they go to the minor leagues. They really have not had that education of what some of these nonprofits are. So we try to get them involved. Uh, every year we have a Christmas party for the kids from Orangewood, the YMCA, uh, Olive Crest at ESPN Zone. And we bring the kids in, Mike Sosha, we had Trumbull, we had Weaver, we had Conger. Um, and I forget who else we had up on the stage, and they read Christmas carols to the kids. And uh, it is, it, it'll break your heart sometimes to see that. But it really opened the eyes of some of the younger players to get involved. And it, what they do makes a difference. 
We do a lot of Make-A-Wish where the kids come in and they want to meet some of the players. Break your heart. I mean, it really is. But I'm, right now, Rod Carew, as some of you know, a Hall of Famer for years, him and I work on uh, Light the Night uh, here at the stadium where we raise over a million dollars on our walks every year. And he had a daughter that had died of leukemia. And he's come back, and, and I put him on the payroll. I said, we're going to make this happen. Um, Weaver, uh, another guy, Jared Weaver, was he had no idea about charities or anything. And he got involved with Special Olympics, and we did a special taping today with him. Um, uh, we'll get him in when he comes back, but we did start the taping of it. And, and it's, it's, uh, we do look at their, at, at their makeup of, what, of who they are. I mean, it, uh, we were talking today about some of the players out there. We, the big thing now is uh, World Be Free or whatever his name is, hitting the guy and everything. I, man, I'm, glad I, I'm so glad I don't have that problem. Meta World Peace. There whatever his name is. Meta World know. Peace. Yes. So, Meta World Peace. And then he jacks some guy, you know. Um, and and, and the, the problem with sports is, is everything that you do is out there. It's on, you can't do anything. Athletes can't do anything without somebody having a, uh, a cell phone um, camera or Twitter or whatever. I mean, before it even happens, it's on Twitter, and I don't even know how to get on Twitter to check it, but um, it, it's amazing, and, and, and you have to tell these guys, be careful of what you do and everything else like that. And when you, when you get a chance to get a guy like Pujols, who's just, you know, I asked uh, CJ, I says, you, you don't drink? And he goes, no. He says, I have an addictive personality. That's the last thing I need, you know, and uh, very, very uh, into the kids and um, he's done so much so far, it's, it's just great to see. It, that's the fun part. That's great. We'll go right here and then come back up here, and then we'll probably need to end with those two questions. So, Thanks again for coming out tonight. Uh, in most other industries, profit and uh, financials is the most important uh, metric, or, or is the goal. But in baseball, you have, you're trying to both be profitable and you're trying to win the World Series. So. As upper management, how do you how do you balance those two goals? Um, Artie, Artie is 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 uh, giving us the, the orders to, you know, um, let's see if we can break even and win a <laughs> win a World Series. Um, he doesn't expect us to break the bank w with a franchise. He understands um, what we're trying to do here, but he's a very competitive guy. He loves baseball and. And um, I, I'll never forget when, when, when we were, I was at his house for Thanksgiving and he, and he said, Dang, and we were having coffee and, and he goes, I am not, you understand me? I am not gonna pay that kind of money for pool holes. Do you understand? Hey, it's your money, you know, that's okay. And then the next thing I know I get a call, guess what we got, you know? And, <laughs> and he's taking a risk. Again, as he did in the billboard business, he's taking a risk. It is a tough balance because you're trying to keep this game affordable and you're trying to, and when he looks seven years out now, we know what our payroll is going to be. So we know where we have to, our revenue has to be for now, where it has to be next year and the following year because we know who's coming off payroll and who's going on payroll. Now, he threw us a little monkey wrench this year, but uh, you know we're hoping that that pays off. It's just like any other investment you make in your company, it's about your ROI. And, um, some people don't know this, but we have pool holes for 20 years, not 10. He's going to stay here and work for the Angels for 10 years after his career is over, we, um, whenever that is. Um, but um, that's a commitment, and that's Artie, he made that commitment to Artie. Um, and so I, I think that's, that's the way it is. But it's tough, believe me. You know, keep it affordable. Don't raise your rates, Dennis, but I need more money. Well, how do you want, Artie, what do you want me to do? You know, 
You know, just do it. Just do it. You guys, <laughs> you guys are good. You guys are good. You know, um, I've never met a man, um, and, and all the bosses I have, that can tear a statement apart like he can. He is so good with numbers, you know, and, and it's almost fun. Like John and I get together. And go, okay, do we have everything? Yeah, we got. I think we got it. I think we got it. And he'll find something, and we just shake our heads. You know, he's he's just it's very good. He understands numbers, and when and that's a that's a one of his qualities. Be a visionary. He knows where we're going to be, and he knows what revenue he needs. And he'll say, "Here's where I know where we're going to get it. And here's how we're going to do it, and we're going to do it." You know. Last question, right here. The, um, our partnership with, uh, with Anaheim ha has really, really, um, after the trial, it, it was a little testy, uh, <laughs> but um, it's very good. It's, it's very, very good right now. Um, I've been working very closely with Chris Murray, uh, very closely with uh, Gail Eastman, uh, and, and we've, done some, we've done some things together that have been some fun. Uh, Gail Eastman came to me and said we want to do the gift of history, the largest history lesson in the world, and we brought 34,000 kids into the ballpark for a history lesson. And we set the Guinness World Book of Records. Uh, and that was fun. And uh, that's part of our commitment to being proactive with, with the city. Um, you know, we have a new mayor, Mayor Tate, and, and we have a very good relationship with him. Um, we, Tom Morton, who is the head of the convention center, is, is my leaseholder, and work very, very closely with him on, they, they want us here, and they want us, you know, what can we do to make it better? Um, when I first went through the, the name change and, and I went to Tom, um, was that Tom, not Tom Morton, but uh, Dave Morgan was the city manager, and he was very upset about it. And I said, I just wish you would understand that we can do a lot of things and make a lot of things happen. And, and we feel we, we brought the all-star game here. Um, you know, we bring pool holes here. Uh, when they announced that we got pool holes on MLB Network and across the country, I mean, we couldn't pay for that kind of advertising. And I, I was, I'll be honest with you, when I grew up, I was a Yankee fan in New York and in, in New Jersey, and I really didn't care if you called them the Long Island or the New Jersey. I didn't care. All I cared about, they were the Yankees, and that's what I care about. And that's what we're trying to get across. I want to see every kid in Southern California with a red A hat or an angel hat. It doesn't have to say Los Angeles. It just has to say angels on it, because that's who we are. And um, it's again educating the city where we want to go. But the city's been very, very good to us. Very, very good to us. Um, they're a great landlord, and they, you know, they've helped us with some projects. Um, they want to be a partner, and that's what we want to be. Wonderful. Well, we had better stop there. Uh, getting late in the evening, but thank you so much, Dennis, oh, you're for sharing with us. We appreciate it so much.